Chinese, Chinese American. And so in that environment where, you know, Chinese people, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to stereotype my own people, but, you know, they're very, um, you know, uh, business fun, money or focus, right? Because it's about living. Everything is making a living, right? So, and it, I grew up in that environment. So it wasn't new. I Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, great opportunity. Q4s here, right? You're ready to buy. You're ready to sell. Uh, if you can look for some cash flow, uh, now might be a great time to jump back into RA at OA. Lots of people do it. There are some people that that's all they do. They only work this time of year, sell enough, and then take the rest of the year off sipping drinks on a beach in Bali. Well, anyway. They're the outliers. Let's talk about the rest of us. <laughs> but if you want to add back RA in OA, then I have a great group for you. It's through Amazing Freedom, our friends at Amazing Freedom, my friends at Amazing Freedom, and it's Gay Lisby specific. She is an unbelievable teacher. And so what the deal they offered us through this podcast is two weeks free. So it's a two-week free trial. So there's no risk to you at all. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. That's it. Okay. You're going to get two weeks free. But here's the deal. If you sign up now, between now and uh, September 15th, so that's coming up in less than two weeks. By September 15th, if you're a subscriber and you stick through to Black Friday, you're going to get Gay's Black Gold list. Okay, so the beauty of it, it's a Black Friday list, right? If you've ever went out shopping in a Black Friday list, when you would send shoppers out, we'd go to a whole bunch of different places and you get those peak items. The great news now, you can order a bunch of them online too, which you also want to do. But... To have a list in your hands, you go in, I buy these three items, boom, I'm out of there. Well, she gives you that list, and that is a list they sell. It's expensive. However, if you're a member, and you're a member by September 15th, and you stick your way through to Black Friday, you automatically get it for free. So you got to act fast. Try the two weeks. It's completely free. See what you get. Look at those daily fine lists, and then say, huh, for the small fee it is a month, this is worthwhile for me, especially this quarter. Get somebody buying for you. Give them this list. This is what you're going to invest in. This is a simple testing tool for you to see, hey, is this something I could be good at? Man, invest now. Take the two weeks free and try it. I love it, love it, love it. And trust her 100%. She is such a teacher. Um, go check out her group. Okay, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. You know, the other sponsors I want to talk about is Seller Labs. Scope, and we just launched a new product. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, it's wholesale and private label combined for us, kind of a bundled thing that we do. Um, but I'm very excited because we use Scope to help me with the keywords because it's such a big deal figuring out the keywords. How are you going to rank for this? How do you rank for this? Well, guess what we do? We go like everybody else and we figure out what the top products keywords are. And then we use them also. That's what Scope allows you to do. And so it's such a great, great product for discovering profitable Amazon keywords. Um, you can even use it for finding products too. You can, with fee, cal sale calculations, all that stuff's included, right? And it's it's just a Chrome extension. Simple to use, simple to use. We use it. Um, if You can save 50 bucks by entering the code Momentum. So sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Enter the code Momentum. Save 50 bucks. That's real money. Save it, please. And finally, I don't want to miss Karen Locker's solution for e-commerce. The solutions, the number four e-commerce um, forward slash momentum is our link. Um, but Karen's been a sponsor of my show, I guess it's almost three years now, and it's been phenomenal. The people that 
uh, are still with Karen all those years, including me, I paid the same price you do. It's because the consistency, um, so many times I, you know, I get these emails, Hey, stranded inventory report, boom. You know, I, I look at it, but I don't have to do anything because there's a member of my team, somebody that we can count on to help my wife and I with our business. So we don't have to pay attention to it. That's what I like. That's what I needed. And so solutions for e-commerce, Karen Locker, uh, her team, um, I get notes from all the time. I launched, uh, I think I talked about this last time. I launched a ton of products, the same product that I'm using scope for. I send her, here are the images. Here Now we do the keywords. We do all that stuff up front. She does the flat files for me. Boom, they went in. It was perfect. No feedback. I don't have anything to change because it was done exactly as it was supposed to be. But I didn't have to mess with it. And it's not that I can't. It's not that I'm above it. It's just that it allows me now to focus on this other piece. And so when you're a small company like ours, when you have other people on your team working with you and working for you, it just makes the difference. And, you know, I've said it for three years. Again, I look for consistency over time. And Karen's given me that. Um, Is it perfect? No, Steve's never perfect. And so she keeps me um, on track and really helps us when we need it. And so it's been a great uh, relationship, and I'm just so proud to offer it. Um, I'm very careful about these things, and I'm so proud to offer it. So solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum, you're going to save 50 bucks, and that's real money. Again, that's real $50 by using my link. You don't get that link anywhere else to save the 50 And she's going to do an inventory health report. Storage fees. Who got hit with storage fees, right? It just happened, right? Uh, Long-term storage fees. Now they're monthly, right? This quarter, they're going to be monthly. Well, by using Karen and her team, you can get that inventory health done. Boom, pull back what you don't need or put sales on it, whatever it is. Um, Karen also does work on eBay. If you want to bring your listings over to eBay using Joe Lister or any of the other products, she does that kind of work too. But you got to use my link, solutions, the number four e-commerce forward slash momentum, save the 50 bucks, tell Karen I sent you, and make sure that you really understand all the stuff that you can get through her service. It's been phenomenal. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 335, Shirley Tan. Man, oh man, is she cool. Very, very cool. Uh, Very cool story about Kickstarter we're going to get to. It does take me a while to get there. I apologize. I I like the story. I love, I knew a bunch of Shirley's story. Uh, We've hung out. um, And so I know quite a bit of it. I just... I think it's very cool how she's evolved and reinvented herself. She didn't sit there. And I think about when you hear about her retail experience, how many people stay in that business too long? How many products do you have in your warehouse, Steve, that you've held on to too long? Or as Dean Akers says, you're dragging around like an ex-girlfriend, Steve, you know? True. I see so much of myself in here. Shirley's not that way. And she's not as married to that stuff, not as emotionally tied to it. And I think there's a big lesson here. So that's why I wanted to get through it. Um, and it, it takes me a while to get through it. And then I mess up two things. One is um, I got mixed up on the hardware store and the uh, flower at the Mart. So you'll hear me try to fix that. Um, and then a the second thing, and I think it's fair. I think this is very fair. She corrects me um, because I kind of make it a big deal about a mom teaching um, a business lesson. And she's like, kind of like, Steve, this is common sense. Women, moms teach all the time. And she's right. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant it. It is just so cool to see it where it used to be just dads doing this. Now moms are doing this. And she's like, moms teach lessons all the time. She is right. I just see it from the business side where now that moms can be the most dominant. I guess that's what I meant by it, that it's the roles are reversed. And, and let's face it, they're probably better at it. They're smarter at it. They definitely can multitask more than at least 
Steve. So anyway, uh, I'm, not, I'm digging myself out of that hole, but it was, she was right. And so that's a good, good point, good correction. And uh, I applaud her on that. Um, it's a very cool story, which I think there's a lot of value in. And I think this, this lesson of Kickstarter is, is phenomenal. And I think there's something here that if you have figured out something innovative, this could be a very cool opportunity. Let's get into that podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. I'm very, very, very excited about that's three varies about today's guest because we are all going to learn something. We are going to learn something from the master, uh, Shirley Tan. Welcome, Shirley. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. I'm calling you the master because, and I can say this because you know, a we're going to talk Kickstarter. I'm very, 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 very excited about that. And I can't wait to learn a lot of cool stuff. But you've been doing private label long before they called it private label. You've been selling for a long time. You've done a whole bunch of launches. You Did you have retail too? Yes, I did. Okay, actually. so you've had the full gamut of things. Uh, for a long time, not that you're old, but you've been doing this for a long time. And, and I mean that. I mean, it's just, it's very cool how you've evolved and adjusted and, and reinvented, I guess is a good way to say it. That's true. All right. So let's go back. So, so Shirley is in school to be what? Shirley is in school every day to try to be a better person, to try to make even a little bit of difference, however way that shows up. Okay, so you wanted to be, I mean, were you going to, uh, you weren't going to change the world, you wanted to improve the world? Well, you know, I think when you're young, right, when you, when we were all young, I, you have these idealistic views, right? Uh, how could I, how, how could, how could we make the world better? You know, you know that, kind of like we kind of like tease about it or kind of like everybody says it yeah it's it's cliche yeah, for a lot of people like, they just say know, it. you know bring world peace right? right and i think you know there's a lot of people who are so they really hang on to that and they still believe that you know and i'm a little bit more pragmatic now but you know i still want world peace you still do so you were going to be part of it that was you yeah that was me i i wanted to do that yeah and then what happened and I don't, then, there's still not peace. And, I'm just going to let you know then, it didn't work. Right? I, I moved out at 17 and had to get a job. Oh, <laughs> that darn job. Yeah. There's a four yeah. letter word there, work. I mean, that four letter <laughs> word just comes up often. So, yeah. so is that when, I mean, think about this, think back. Is that when the real world smacks you on the butt and says, hey, Shirley, you know, a Starbucks coffee's four bucks back then right four bucks it's not you know dad always paid for it right or whatever now it's expensive i mean is that when it smacked you in the head um uh i was 17 way before starbucks showed up in the <laughs> main street down the corner so i'm a lot older than that but you know when you are um move out and you have to park yourself in a friend's couch for a Ooh. year long and which i'm so grateful they took me in um, you know, you, he taught me how to balance a checkbook. I mean, that's, Ooh, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, right? A, a process, a system, how to balance your checkbook as a 17 year old who known, who knew nothing. Hmm. Yeah. And so with that group of friends, right, that, or that direction, they started investing into your life 
and building that life experience kind of thing, right? Because I think, you know, everybody gets the high school experience, right? Or, you know, whatever they teach you, history and all that kind of jazz. But they miss, or at least they did way back then, they didn't teach you how to balance a checkbook. They didn't teach you, you know, any of the life skills that I think they do now. I think they address some of that stuff now, um, but they didn't back then. And so that environment where you were started framing life for you? Um, yes, yes. I think, you know, um, 17 was a pivotal time for me, right? Um, um, You're out of the I, house. I, I'm out of the house. I had a, I had a rough childhood. Okay. And okay. so I think, I think that, that moment where you feel like you better grow up fast. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you have kids, correct? I have kids. I have three. Okay. So when you think about your kids at 17, were they, were they ready to go out on their own? I mean, knowing your kids, um, you know, kids, especially if you have daughters, I do. I question. have one, and she's um, she uh, she's adorable now, and she's you know she moved to New York just like last week, right? So um, let's see. Do you think she was say, ready? I would say, I think in their own way. I think you know. I think they were. They grew up in this entrepreneurial uh, mm. environment where they're always seeing mom do things. And so I'm always, they've seen it, right? They've seen me work all my life. So all their lives, right? So I think they, they, they pick up on it. I think the kids pick up more than we give them credit for. So um, so you would so say I, yes. You would say she's ready. Would, if they had to figure it out, they would. They would be able to, yeah. I think that that's important to note. So yeah. Our kids that are growing up in our current environment, those of us who consider themselves entrepreneurs, and hopefully everybody here listening is, even if you're a part-time like me, right? Those, those who have that, like you say, your kids are growing up, that environment where it's like, hey, got a challenge, got to rise up, tackle the challenge, okay, next day. And then it's, everything's great. Sales, we were, my son and I were just having this conversation. Sales yesterday were unbelievable. Today, not so good. And it's like, oh, right? It's up and down, right? And so what are we going to do about it? And so we start some ads and whatever. But, but that is a very healthy environment as opposed to what you described. You grew up in a tough environment. So that, that change that you see, when you think about the value of you being an entrepreneur, and obviously you want to make money and you want to have success, and we're going to talk about creating your own product and launching it and having success so far, knock on wood. Um, but do you get what I'm saying with, with the value of that entrepreneur? I, not, I had not thought about it until you just said it. The value that we're teaching our kids could make it all worth it. Even if you don't, even if you're not successful, but if you teach them how to push through and get through things and at the end back and say, yeah, I lost a little bit of money, tried it, wasn't for me. But if they're, if they're inhaling all that and absorbing all that while you're living it, you're preparing them for life. You, you know, Stephen, that is um, your, your, your statement there has a literally, has really ring more home to me this last month, right? And, and the reason for that is because um, my kids have really been more involved in my this recent uh, adventure, you know, venture of Kickstarter launch. Like, for example, my oldest son is one of my models, right? Very initially, cool. He, he, initially, he didn't want to do it. You know, he's like, eh, I don't want nothing to do with it, right? But he really came around. And now he's like, hey, mom, why don't you try this? Hey, mom, you want to try that? You know, and, and, and my youngest is 16. 
16, right? So same thing, right? 16. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't want to, I don't even want to pose a picture, right? He's 16. So he's like embarrassed. He wants to look cool, you know, all those things. But I, I, this week I could see the excitement in them. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and I almost feel like, man, I better follow through because I cannot, sh I cannot set the example that I just give up. They right. became stakeholders by yeah. participating. This is that makes a big deal. Yeah. And like you said, you now, you you have to follow through. There's no you know yes. backpedaling, right? I mean, that's a that's a big. I mean, these are the teachable moments, and it's usually dad who teaches this stuff. Surely not mom. Yeah, this is big. No, I mean it. This is the the stigma. That's the problem. This is it's dad that has to teach. No, mom can teach incredible skills. Mm, I think a lot of moms out there teach stuff. Well, I don't mean it that way. I meant with this yeah. kind of stuff when you're, you know, business and all that kind of jazz. I just, to me, it should, it should, every mom should be sitting there saying, yep, you know, and, I, and I've had so many. I think of Teresa Smolinski. I think of different people that have been on KIB. We need more. I guess that's my yeah. point. We need more to realize that they are more and then teach their sons, teach their sons that it doesn't always have to be dad, it can be mom too. And then that changes that generation. So my opinion, and I'm fortunate because mm. my boys think this way, they still open the door for their wives because they realize that they need to value them. And I'm always trying to bring that home instead of just thinking that they're, you know. So anyway, sorry, getting off of my tangent. No, I completely agree. I was just commenting my husband like two weeks ago, go, I'm so glad you still open doors for me. And then I saw my son do it for his girlfriend, so I was very proud. Yeah, and, and this is, yeah, again, this is where I think we have an opportunity as parents, and and uh, um, so very, very cool. Okay, so so you were changing the world, and then the reality slapped you in the face. You had to yep. get a job, and what was the job going to be? Well, at that time, my very, very first job outside the family business. So when I moved, when I moved myself out, um, uh, I only not moved out, but I lost my job too. So I was going to college, uh, working the part time, working uh, full time in the family hardware store. Got into this big thing with my mother, who's no longer with us, um, and um, so I had to go get get a job too. On top of that, right? So. I had a car payment to make. Um, yeah, that was super long time ago. But first job was selling shoes in a um, sort of like a little convenience store. Selling shoes. Yeah, selling shoes. Um, and you had all this sales <laughs> experience? Let me tell you, it's not Nordstrom selling shoes. I wish it was. <laughs> so, so you had experience working in a hardware store. How does that make you prepare to sell shoes? Well, well, it's just selling, right? Okay. Sell anything, you know? So, sell anything you had to. Okay, so you felt pretty good about that. So so you start selling shoes. Did you have success with it? No, I'm sure I sucked at it. No, I don't no. remember. I, I blocked it out. Oh, no. <laughs> so how did you make these car payments? Uh, I don't know. I just made do. I just, I don't know. And I think shortly after that, I got to work at a bank. Okay. I went to work. I worked, I worked at a bank as a teller counting other people's money. It was great. When you, you know, that's interesting you say that because I think about this a lot. So I look at a cashier that's probably making, you know, $14 an hour, $15 an hour, most banks probably, right? They've got to see people that are scraping by, right? And they see it. 
but they've got to see people that come in and just lop giant wads of cash or checks. What goes through your mind when you see all that stuff? Let's see. I have to like uh, trace back. Um, you know, I learned a long time ago when I was doing that. I kind of remember this phrase in my head, right? And while I was literally counting other people's money, I tell myself not to count other people's money, meaning that don't compare. Don't compare my situation with their situation. And um, and in, in a negative way, in, a, in, in the negative comparison, you know what I mean? Oh, like, oh, have he's more got more than, than me. Yeah. Nothing, you know, life, woe is me, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so. Did you also judge a book by its cover and then the net open your eyes? So, you know, like you think, oh, that guy looks like a bum. And then he comes in and he's got like, you know, hey, can you deposit this 10 grand in cash for me? You know, did you see any of that? Um. So this was a really long time ago uh, in a small island called Guam. Okay. So, so, so um, I don't really remember exactly. You know, okay. I think I was young. I was impressionable. You know, everybody that had more money than me was impressive. Okay. Well, because I always think about that is this is where your boundaries get expanded, right? Because yeah. all of us have these preconceived notion. We all look down our nose. Oh, that guy's a yeah. bum. And then they come in like Warren Buffett, right? Him and his driving his. Or uh, no, the guy at Walmart. He was the one with the pickup truck. Yeah, right, he drove that pick right. And and so you would be looking at him like, oh, who's that hillbilly? And then all of a sudden, you realize that he owns you know half the world at that time. Um, and so those preconceived notions they get expanded. So that didn't happen for you. Okay, all right. So yeah. you're working in a bank and you're in Guam. Yeah. yeah. And how do you? A lot get... of people don't know that actually. So how do you leave Guam and come to the main uh, states? So I left when I was like. 1920 or so I knew I remember that because I remember not being legal to drink yet <laughs> so that was you know I remember that ah, it's a pivotal uh, moment you leave, Guam. you leave Guam when the island is too small for you and your mother <laughs> ah, okay all right so that's where the store was okay yeah, yeah yeah so in the interest of you know uh, helping my dad uh, have a uh, be able to sleep at night. I go, Ma, Dad, I'm leaving. I gotta go to San Francisco, and uh, that way you don't have to play referee anymore. Now, when you went to San Francisco, this was pre dot com, correct? Yes, yeah. So, this so, is in the eighties. Whoa! So you were there before it was cool to be in San Francisco. It was cheap, relative, right? Relative cheap by relative of the time I guess yeah right 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 and so what were you going to do in San Francisco how did you how did you just say hey I'm going to San not I'm not going to LA I'm not going to Vegas I'm going to San Francisco I really just fell in love with the city you know I had my first sushi that I've ever had in San Francisco um uh you know San Francisco is not big like L I went to LA to Disneyland I was a navigator it took us two hours from LAX to go to to uh, Anaheim, my 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 friends who were in the car and I was a navigator nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> so don't ever ask me for directions. I'm bad. I, I'm bad at directions. <laughs> All right. So you go to you go to San Francisco and what did you do? So I came here with a, a promise of a job, right? So mm -hmm. one of our vendors at the hardware store said, "Hey, come to San Francisco. We'll hire you." And um, I got here first week. Oh, we changed our mind. Oh, We're no. not going to do that anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So a lot, lot of adventure. So what did I do? I went to get a job. 
at okay. a, in a hardware store. So. Of course, because that's what you know, right? And so, yeah, I know. And so you did that, right? And so you you got by. I got by. I got what by. What would you call your first foray into entrepreneurship? What was it that triggered it? I mean, when when you look back at your parents' uh, business, I mean, you saw that. Were yeah. they, and they were tied to a retail location. And yeah. so was that a negative to you or a positive? They had freedom because they owned their own thing or it was a noose around your neck because you had to be there and they're open every Saturday, can never take a vacation, that whole thing. Which way were you? Um, which way was I? Let me see. It's, you know, my parents are interesting, right? They're an interesting example. And, you know, with every family business, there's always these, you know, stories, right? You know, that, you know, good and bad, right? All roller coaster. Um, um, I I never thought of it as like the freedom thing. Uh, in my in my parents' business, I saw a lot of struggles, right? And um, so that was uh, very eye opening. You know, mm. a lot of talk about money at the family dinners, and it's it's always um, the business always forefront, right? Um, and all, and a very typical if you're you know some of your uh, audience uh, don't don't know that I'm I'm Chinese Chinese American, and so in that environment where you know, Chinese people, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to stereotype my own people, but, you know, they're very, um, you know, uh, business, fun, money, or focus, right? Cause right, it's about everything's business, everything. right? Everything is making a living, right? So, and it, I grew up in that environment, so it wasn't new. I see that in my in my own parents, in my uncles, right? You know, my, my, my father had siblings, my mother had a ton of siblings, so eight and eight, so... That's all I was familiar with, if, if, if you know what I'm trying to say. Okay, so, um, okay. um, yeah, so in my, so because I didn't have this promised job anymore, but also the gift that was given, right? At the same time, those people felt so bad for me for sort of like pulling the rug out under me. They said, hey, here's a desk and a chair. Park yourself there till you figure out what you want to do. And at the same time, I was really lucky. And this is how I really got into it, uh, into the retail store. They had a space. So at, in, back in the day, there was this building called the the Gift Center, San Francisco Gift Center. In Atlanta, it would be like the Atlanta Gift Mart, if you want to compare, or, or, the, or the LA Gift Mart, right? Okay. So okay. Uh, back in the day at the San Francisco Gift Center, they had a showroom, and half the showroom was empty. So they said, Shirley, think of something. You don't have to pay rent till you start making money. So I go, okay. And I started selling silk flowers while I was going to college at night and parking myself at that desk. That's what I did. And so, so That's you were going to be successful. I mean, that was it. That was it. I, I started making the money first month and I had to pay them rent. And once you go into that cycle, <laughs> you're committed, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You're So yeah. you found a wholesale account to buy the shoes? Uh, no, Silk Flowers. Silk back Flowers. In the, back in the mid-80s, Silk Flowers was the bomb. Okay, yeah. so you were you started yeah. there before with shoes. Okay, <laughs> so you got flowers. You found a wholesaler for that. Yeah. yeah. You brought them in. And in San Francisco, in a hardware store, there was an opportunity to sell flowers. So so I quit the, the San Francisco flower. Uh, once I... I um, I, the part-time job for the hardware thing. Uh, once this other opportunity to open the halfway, you know, 
part of the showroom selling. Oh, I, I get I, it I, now. I put the hardware store. Yeah, sorry. I, I got no. It's not you. It's me. Gets confused. Everybody's saying, "Come on, Steve, get get with this." All right. So that's <laughs> no, when you move no. to this like Mart, like in Atlanta Mart. Now, yes. I heard yes. it, and it didn't connect for me because I'm still at the hardware store. Okay. So you go over there and you put up a booth in essence, right, or a little storefront, yes. whatever, yes. and you're yeah. gonna sell. Are you the only person selling silk flowers in there? Yeah, I was okay. the only one. So you were yeah. the only one, cutting yeah. edge. This was hot. Uh, and boom, did boom. you have success? Super, super success. Really? Instantly. Yeah. It was, it was the time silk flowers at that time, the margins were 400%. You know, you mm. buy something for four, 10 bucks, you can sell it for $40. And where did you learn that? Was that from your parents' hardware store? No, actually my supplier taught me. Really? Yeah. I'm one thing about me, Stephen, you will, I will, you're, you're, yeah, I, I'm a good listener. So, so you, you developed this relationship with this supplier somehow, and he said, Hey, uh, we have a product that's pretty hot. It's markets coming up. Um, would you be interested? Is that kind of the conversation? Yeah, basically. Hmm. And, and basically it was even better than that. You don't have to pay me till you sell it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even was- better. Even better. And, and was that because they were sitting on them and they didn't know how to get rid of them at that time because it was new, up and coming, or um, they just wanted to have any outlet they can? I, I think it was more that. It was any outlet they can. They wanted to, you know, it just so happened that I, when I moved here, I met this group, I met this group of friends, and, and one of the guys was uh, in the silk flower business. Huh. So. Huh. I just got super lucky. Meant to be, meant to be. Those are those are those processes. Okay, so you you go in there, you have this business. How long did that business last? That business lasts for uh, nineteen years. Holy smokes! (laughs) Yes, that foray into that beginning, right? And then it gets better, Stephen. After that. After I was selling successfully for a couple of years, my friend who's supplying me moved next door. Is that good or bad? That was bad. That okay. was bad. So he's opening up another another competitor right next door. Yeah. So uh, not inside the building, but uh, just like around the corner, right? And therefore, I'm going, shoot, right? That's not what I said. I said the other word. Yeah. <laughs> I said, shoot, <laughs> I got to do something. So another, uh, the universe provided again, you know? So another, another vendor in the building said, hey, Shirley, you should sell my stuff and I'll teach you the business. And at that time, it was this guy named Dun Sylvie and um, Dun, you know, got me into silver plated gifts and gifts in the gift business in the gift business so now was he he had his own booth or a little storefront in there he was a sales rep he was a road rep oh and he was coming in to service other accounts and he saw you and he said hey would you sell my stuff too yes basically he had a uh, he was currently he was supplying another build another person in the building their the, the relationship was you know uh, topsy-turvy and he just thought, hey, I need another source of revenue. And, well, and- let me ask you that because I think that's important right there, what you just said. That rate, you know, we assume that every rep who sells is happy with their customers, right? They're, yeah. They're, they're retailers that are selling. That's not true because you know, we've all met some of those people who are terrible customer service. Well, when you see it 
on the front end, behind the scenes, they're probably worse. And I think that's important to pay attention to. So you were nice to this guy. You weren't buying from him. You guys just got along for whatever reason. Or like you said, you're a listener. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. He was over at a drink. It was like, he goes, hey, Shirley, have a drink. I want to tell you something. And I go, okay. He goes, da-da-da-da, you know, set you up. And I said, okay. He goes, I'll teach you everything. Done. What happened to the neighbor who used to sell us stuff? They hate you? Oh, they hate me. Oh, no. <laughs> well, but it's not, it's their fault. They, I'm sure if they look in where they know, they know. I'm sure this isn't the first time it would happen. Well, so you know, it's, it's, it's a small, we're all in the same building, right? And, yeah. you know, it gets that way sometimes. But, you know, what can you do? Nothing, nothing. It's I business. Have to, I have to make a living too, right? Wait, you didn't steal them from that guy. They lost them by their behavior, not because you sought that. So that's that's totally fair to me. I mean, that's very reasonable, and that's an honorable thing to do. So, okay, so now you're expanding. Now, yes. all of a sudden, you got flowers and giftware. Yeah. You're in the and gift business. Yeah, and basically, as the I wind down the silk flower business, and I started getting into the gift in the gift business. Silver plated piggy banks, um, you name it. It's I used to the way I just used to describe it, right? People go, "What do you sell?" And I used to describe it as so in San Francisco, right? Because it was mostly you know uh, local. I would say when you go to the fifth floor in Macy's downtown, I sold all of those things: tabletop, giftware. That's how I used to describe it. When when the silk business waned, I guess, that's what yeah. you're telling us, that it was a cycle. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're in the giftware cycle. Is yeah. that something that, you know, relates to today on Amazon that we see, you know, the, the waxing and waning of things that come and go and not falling in love? Because, you know, a lot of people surely would have stayed in the silk flower business 30 years too long. And, and I knew people that did that. Yeah. I, yeah. And, uh, and the, a lot of, you know, I, I was in that travel, I was not exactly travel, but in that gift business, right? So you go to trade shows after trade shows. We used to go to Atlanta, Seattle, LA, New York, you know, and we used to go to all those and you see the same people doing the same thing. You go up to their booth. That's what we always do, right? When you go to these trade shows, mm-hmm. Hey, show me what's new. And they go, Oh yeah, we're just expanded. Here's another design on the candle votive. You know, we just put a star on it, and last year we put a moon on it, and now it's a star. It's going to be hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. a lot, a lot like that. And I think you know that's the challenge when you when you basically cannibalize your own product, right? And yeah. so today with Amazon, this is a real risk. When people yeah. create these products, they fall in love with them instead of realizing there is a cycle to everything. Everything has a cycle. Right. Uh, one of the challenges we see, right, you put out this product we'll talk about in a little bit. You're going to have a, a hundred copies. Right. And everybody's going to do that. You have to execute better. But there's still going to be a cycle to it. Right. I mean, it's one of those things you have to keep in mind. You want the cycle to stay as long as you can. You want to innovate and keep improving. Mm-hmm. But if you keep doing the same old thing, you're going to be disappointed with the results. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. OK. For sure. All right. Absolutely. So this is this is prelude to Shirley Tan 2018. I mean, this is really, I, I think this is important that you have the ability not to fall in love with your product and you can move on by developing relationships. I think this is very important. Okay, so fast forward, uh, you're selling silver. How's that go for you? That's That business was really, really, um, you know, um, profitable. 
It was uh, very good to me. And we migrated into personalization. So as uh, with silver products, you could engrave on it, right? So that opened up that business to a whole new level of uh, um, extra services, add-ons that we never thought would be possible. And it really changed the business, right? You're not just buying a piggy bank. Now you putting, you're, you're buying a piggy bank with, um, you know, baby junior's name on it. Right. And now that makes the gift even better, you know, one of a kind. So I'm, I'm all about personalization. That's, that's the business. I love so that business. Then it opened up weddings that opened up babies that exactly. opened up all those different things. And so exactly. again, you reinvented yourself. You became, um, um, you evolved, right? So a customer, yeah. instead of buying a, you know, hundred dollar picture frame, now it's got Steve's name on it. Now it's hundred dollars plus. So you get more revenue per customer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Peter, uh, Peterson family, right? Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and that parlayed into my online business, which really, really changed my life is, uh, that business that I built called American Bridal, AmericanBridal.com. Yeah. And so American Bridal, this, do you think it was because you were in California in that tech world, San Francisco, super high tech, right? Super, you were in it then. Everybody had to go online. Everything had to go online. If you were in that same business in Chicago, Atlanta, New York, Miami, they aren't thinking online. I mean, they are now, but back then they weren't. Was your whole world, I mean, like, I, I, I remember going there as an executive and back in those days, and everybody was, there was, oh, he's got a tech company, he's got a tech company. They all had tech companies. What was your experience? Oh, that's... Um, I mean, um, why, why did you decide to go fun. online? Most people wouldn't. No, no, it's true. It's true. I think again, I'm, I was super lucky. I had this friend and he goes, Hey, you should register the name American bridal. So I started off American bridal as a, as a, a mail order catalog. I mean, think about that was, name. Nobody could get that name today. Oh, <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, even with that, I was a little late to the, uh, domain squatting, uh, uh, days already, even in 1997. So, um, so, but I got really lucky, you know, I didn't really think of it as, you know, being online as, as it was more like I was in the mail order catalog business for a couple of years. I hated it mm. <laughs> to be honest. Well, what did you learn there? That, that, um, that I learned that I didn't like the mail order business. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, only partly. Uh, and the reason I hated it was because we had to do all these bulk mail and we had to ship them out. We had to schlep all these catalogs and send them out, cross our fingers, hope that somebody would, you know, place an order by mail and send you a check. Um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, so it, I, I just basically learned that, um, there has to be a better way of doing things. <laughs> okay. So this was, that was the thing that you got. Did this, okay, yeah. this is a path and people have success with it, but you realize this isn't for me. And I think that that is very healthy when you can learn what you don't want to do. The parts of yeah. your business. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They got this huge warehouse. It's massive. It's unbelievable. And the guy's going to be successful no matter what he does. My only comment was make sure that that's what you love because yeah. you're going to be successful. But does that mean you're going to enjoy it for, you know, for the next, if that's what you're missing and you want that? Otherwise, 
you know, six months later, you're going to be like, okay, what's next? You know, and you're not going to stay with it. So I think learning that is a very healthy thing. Okay, so that's something we don't want to do. What did we decide to do? So because I, it was so painful in a way, right? That pain motivated me to like figure out how to set up the e-commerce store on Yahoo platform back in the day. Ooh. So this was, yeah, this was 96, 97. So, um, you are a nerd. You know what? You're a nerd. I'm just going to say it right out. You are a nerd. That's cool. No, yeah, no, but no. way code, back. No, don't know how to do code except like bracket, bold bracket, something. <laughs> I don't know. Back in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I knew how to do, but you know, that's, that's, that's what we did, you know? And, um, we opened our first Yahoo store. No kidding. And, and in 96, 97, I mean, there was not much going on. What no, was the, what, it was what, slow. What was the thought? Yeah. What were, you know, what were you hoping to get? You know, a little bit of sales each month, a little bit? What, what, what were you thinking? Yeah. So at that time, when we opened this, I still had the retail store, right? We were doing somewhere in the, somewhere in the realm of like, you know, 700,000 a year or so you know, each year. Right. So the, the, the website was really like an, an adjunct, right. I will do that too, you know, um, and, and develop the, the wedding, uh, category and just pick one thing, right. What was the one thing that we could carve out from all the things that we did? Um, because we were really in the personalization business and, 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 um, we struggled with, uh, so the business, right. Uh, we're not like a retail, we were not like in a retail store, even though we, uh, once you're in our store, we behave like a retail store. Okay. So we were limited to the people who are able to walk into the building. So just like the America Mart on Atlanta or the LA Gift Mart, you have to have a pass to get in. So you have to have a resale license. You have to have a business license and or, or you were a designer that had a business license that you can buy wholesale. So we were very limited to the four walls, right? And that's what really motivated me to do the mail order catalog to begin with. Um, and then once that, you know, that migrated to the online store, um, that was the motivation to like, how can we drum up more business outside these four walls that every day they limit the people who walk in the door? I didn't control that. Mm. I think it's important that you niche down, and that's what you yeah. you, you you didn't use that term, but that's uh, that's the smart thing. You said, "Hey, I could do the baby, I could do the picture frame, I could do all these things, or we can go after the wedding business," yeah. because that probably had the most legs, right? That's probably the biggest opportunity. We had a lot, you know, and and again, we listened to the customer. When whenever we were open on Saturdays, we had this brides and bride to be coming in, um, like, and that's all they bought, right? I was oh. like. Hmm. You know, I wonder. Right. And at that time, there was really nobody doing it. You know, um, there was all these magazines and and even the knot was not really on the map, the map yet at that time. And they were the largest. They're now the largest wedding portal. Right. Um, in the world. I've been married and- 33 years. I have no clue. <laughs> Nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm oblivious to that whole world. And I had boys, so I didn't even have to pay for it. So, yeah. So, so when you think about now, you know, that was a pivotal moment, right? Yeah. Just realizing that the internet's going to be real. This is, you know, we, our market's limited. I can sit here and cry and complain like everybody else back to that silk flower business, right? Just 
give it up, let it go for 20 years, put money into it, or I could go out and try to grow my business on my own. And I think that that, again, hence the reason for the Kickstarter, you're not willing to just let things happen to you, are you, Shirley? Yeah, I have a hard time with surrendering. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, it, it just, it's, you, you know, it's moving off of an island at 17 and, or 19, whatever, and just saying, hey, I'm out. I'm not going to let life happen to me. Life's not going to happen to Shirley Tan, period. You're going to make it happen. Um, and I think that's very, very cool. Okay, so the business goes. And what do you do with the business? So I saw that. The, so, um, so fast forward to 2004. I sold my share of the business uh, to my partner. So somewhere between there, I got a partner. Okay. okay. I sold the retail start of the business to the partner. And it really was because I started American Bridal. I dragged him into it kicking, screaming. And I go, you do gonna, are you in or out? And he goes, okay, fine, I'm in. <laughs> okay, then let's go. <laughs> and then, um, and then uh, I sold the retail side of the business to him. And I focused on American Bridal. And I grew that. So you were, you said, hmm, do I want to be here working seven days a week? Probably because they're probably open on Sundays. Maybe, maybe not, whatever. And limited and I'm stuck with this group of people or I could take the future. Now, did the website, was the website getting legs at that point? So by then in 2004, the website was doing about half a million dollars. Okay. So it's got legs. It's got real legs. Yeah. Uh, Far surpassed the store, I assume. No, because the store was still doing nearly a million at that time. No kidding. Walk-in yeah. traffic, a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that in the heyday, uh, the gift center was that was you know, that was that was the building to be in. It was that's why the exclusivity, right? The like, hey, you had to have a pass. You have to know someone. You have to be connected. We did really, really well. I was very blessed. Okay. All right. So he thinks he's getting the better end of the deal because he's got a million dollar brick and mortar, sort of. And you're saying, huh? See you, buddy. I'm taking off of my half a million dollar online because the future, I mean, did you really think that it could be as big, the online yeah. store? I mean, did, when you think about that now, looking back, what you knew, do you feel like you were taking a chance? Well, yeah, because wait till I tell you the next part of why I thought I was taking a chance. Um, uh, you know what it was is I, I did that retail store for nearly 19 years. I was in the building for 19 years. I mean, that's a really long time. Yeah. I just kind of like, you know, I, I need something beyond just doing this one thing. It right? gets old. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. It gets old, you know. And um, so, uh, but the, the day that we, you know, that I officially was the owner, um, and I remember this very clearly, it was April 1, right? So April Fool's Day. And our ranking... Our, our page 11 ranking on Google disappeared. Oh, <laughs> page 11. I know, right? Oh. So page 11, doing half a million a year, and it disappeared. Yeah, that was fun. So. Is this when they readjusted uh, their algorithm? Yes. It was the Florida update, something oh. like that. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. so that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like, hey, I hit a home run. That sounds like, ooh, this is icky. All right. So how do we get through that? Uh, called everybody I knew, <laughs> like uh, in the SEO world, learn what SEO was. What's SEO? <laughs> What's that? Uh, did that and um, and taught myself that and um, climbed out of it. And when we climbed out of it, it was by the time we climbed out of it, 
it was February 2005. I remember these things were so pivotal each time, right? Um, milestones. And uh, it was February of 2005. And uh, when we climbed out of it, we, we uh, got better and went to page three. <laughs> so, and I like the way you described that you climbed out of it. You just yeah. don't, it's not like you turn, a, we make a right-hand turn and it works. No, it's a slow, tedious climb. Each thing builds on each other. I think that's a very visual thing. I think that's a very healthy way to look at it. So you're climbing out of these milestones, not, not just making them happen. And so you got to page three. Did sales recover at that point? Yes, yes. Okay. So by then, my, my, my uh, overhead was pretty low, right? Uh, and, um, you know, we, we did whatever we had to do. So and you were wholesaling, or were you drop shipping at that point? No, we were. I was strictly online selling, shipping, shipping stuff out. Okay, so you uh, would receive it like a or either manufacture it or wholesale it, whichever distributor, whichever, and then yeah. you were selling. It. Okay, okay, all right. Absolutely, yep. All right, so that's working. Uh, life is good, and then so what happens? And then you know, um, and then it blew up. Uh -oh. Next thing you know, we're ranking number one, number two, a lot of keywords. I started part, I parlayed that into different, I, I, um, so we have one website, right? And that one website, I changed, I niched down even more. I built a groomsman site. I built a bridesmaid site. So I learned that, Hey guys don't want to look at American bridal. You know, it's like too girly, too many women stuff. They just want to do dudes want to see dude stuff. Right. So, so we were these standalone sites or were these yeah. pages within the existing site? So, so you, you know how you have category pages, right? So right. you have a, you know, American bridal.com slash groomsman's gifts. Right. So we actually created a separate, on top of that, we competed with ourselves uh, okay. and created a, a separate, you know, uh, domain name that strictly focused on that category of just, you know, groomsman's gift that only guys want to see with 600 SKUs. And everybody today is sitting there like, oh, big deal, Shirley. This is no big deal. Having, yeah. I've got, you know, I've got 64 uh, domains. No big deal. Back then it was a big deal. Well, I mean, yes, because first nobody really was doing it. Right. And then on top of that. They're basically standalone store. There was no, they're like separate Yahoo store. They're not integrated. You can share the same back end. Everything, every time you touch one, you have to manually touch the other. So it was a, big a, lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of work for a small team. So how long did you own those? So from 2004, as I was building, 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 I owned everything till um, May 2009. And I, that's when I sold everything. You sold everything. Uh, five years. I sold. Then I sold the whole enchilada to the knot.com. Was, uh, was your partner that was in the brick and mortar in the Mart, was he still in business at that point in 2009? Yes. Still. Yes. All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. I mean, I, that, that is neat. I'm, I'm glad to see that that didn't end bad. Okay. All right. So 2009, you say, okay, I'm selling opportunities here. Life is good. I'm going to sit around and smoke cigars and put my feet up by the pool, right? Um, I actually do smoke cigars sometimes, but nah. only, with friends. <laughs> only with friends, you know, only it had the timing and the mood is right. Uh, no, no. Well, yeah. I took some time yeah. off. I took some time off and, you know, I, uh, I, that's when I started like a lot of, you know, health problems and stuff. And I worked for the company for a year. Okay. So I stayed for a year. 
did the corporate thing that, you know, experience that I never had. So I thought that was fun, interesting, a lot of learnings as well, navigating the corporate world. Easy to make decisions. They're just turn on a dime, right? They're just nice, you know, no committees, no, you know, right? That's easy. No I meetings. Reverse, right? So a yeah. lot of people come from the corporate world and then they go into their own thing. And I did the reverse because I never been really in a corporate world other than my teller days, right? Banking teller days. Um, and, and I was such a low man on the totem pole. So, uh, but then now you're like with, uh, you know, at least mid-level management and going, whoa, okay. This is why nothing can get done. This is why, quite <laughs> frankly. a lot of people I have to make happy. <laughs> there's a machine, right? And the machine needs to be fed. And, and so it does make you appreciate a little bit more um, probably some things you took for granted about being your own boss and making your own decisions. You'd be like, hey, I just know what to do. Let's decide and try it. Boom. No, no, you don't understand. That's not how we do things here, Shirley. That's not right. So, all right, so you learn that. That's good. And, well, at the same time, there's a lot of respect to learn from the process as well, right? They, they have a, a process, a, a way of doing things because it also works. So I, yeah, I, it, it's both sides. It's both sides. Well, I think that's fair. And I think, again, though, what I like about those experiences, when somebody especially comes off a bad experience, I'm always like, look, remember the things that you used to hate? Make sure you don't do that to your staff. Make sure that you don't do any of those things. Make sure you keep that in mind, the things you didn't like, meetings and all that kind of jazz. Make sure you don't do that stuff you know, because, you know, unfortunately, you get away from it sometimes and then, you know, it creeps into you because you know what you're doing. Okay, so so you're, you work with them and now you're going to do something again. What were you thinking you were going to do? Were you going to be, I'm going to do it again? What were you thinking? So I knew that I didn't want to do something necessarily in the wedding space anymore. I wanted to be beyond the, oh, yeah, you're the wedding lady, right? So I was the wedding lady, okay? You know how everybody has, like, back in the day, oh, Mike runs a guitar store, you know, and so-and-so runs a chef store, right? So I was the wedding lady in our group of yeah, Yahoo friends, right? our Yahoo community. <clears throat> so, so at that time, I thought... Um, Hey, I could always uh, go work for someone <laughs> or um, I could be consultant. I always wanted to be a consultant. So, I thought it was so cool. Yeah, you look cool, you know, carrying a little briefcase, flying around the world. People Is think that... you're smart and you know everything. Right. You're the expert. Is this the systems coach? Well, yes, I started off as a e-commerce systems and then I parlay to like, hey, why limit to e-commerce? You know, let's do the systems coach. Yeah. But because systems, I mean, if you think back and I think I think either in our pre-call or during this conversation, one of the things that does ring true is you are very organized and you are methodical uh, system person. Right. I mean, that's just your nature. I try. I try really, really hard. <laughs> mm. All right. So you're going to coach. How did that go yeah. for you? You know, I did it for, I can't even remember how long I've done it. Um, two, three years, maybe. Okay. Uh, maybe no, no okay. longer than that. And I really enjoyed it. You know, what is what I love about um, business is business. I love my business. I love other people's business. I'm fascinated like you, right, when you're, you know, how you interview people. I'm just fascinated by how do other people do their business? How do they run their business? Uh, what are they what did they what did they do right? What did they do wrong? What what was it that what was the vision? I, I just love everything about that. Hmm. I do too. Of course, as you could tell. I mean and to yeah. me, 
every time I talk to somebody, I learn something. And I think that that's a maturity thing that we get to that place where I could say, Steve doesn't know everything. And you know what? Then I listen to Shirley and I'm like, ah, I get it. I understand. Might not be for me, but I get it. And to me, that's what's powerful. All right. So how does, how does Amazon private label come into your life? So, so, so after the consulting thing, um, I, um, and this was really only like the start of 2016, I actually, so I was sharing with you that I, I was a Yahoo store and one of my deep fascinate, uh, fantasy at that time, even for a really long time, right? Because I knew the Yahoo people really, really well. I knew the marketing people. I knew the small business group and, uh, I always had this fantasy that I was going to, I wanted to work for Yahoo. Oh, cool. And then the day showed up that the, there was this thing that was happening over there. Right. And so the, the GM, the, you know, VP that time, he goes, you want to come work for us? And I go, yes, let's go, let's do it. And I stopped the whole consulting thing to go work for them. So you, um, and who was the CEO at that time? Do you remember? The CEO of Yahoo at that time was Marissa Myers, right? Ah, so she was dynamo, right? She was going to change things. She was going to undo a lot of the things that were wrong, right? Because Yahoo was good and bad, right? They didn't sell. There was a whole myriad of misses. For sure. Right, and she was going to fix things. And so was that part of the attraction too? Well, um, you know, I have a soft spot for Yahoo, right? Because that's how I got my start in the online world. So I always will have a soft spot for them. I love those people. I still know a lot of the people who are there that are in that group. Um, you know, you know, my, my particular attraction was really to the people who I knew in that group, okay. uh, the small business group, the Yahoo store owners that I, I'm still to this day good, good friends with. So, um, yeah. Um, you're definitely so I, a relationship person. I, I, I mean, I listen back. You're a relationship person. Yeah. I can see that. Hmm. Yeah, and and really, what what they brought me into was basically to be that business owner on the inside. Tell us how business owners think. Tell us what what drives them. How do you how do we build more products to relate to business owners that they want? You speak their language. You know what they go through. You've done it, right? You live in that world day in day out. From developing products to marketing to fulfillment to delivery, you did all of those things. So I, I, I understand. I understand their world. You know, one of the things we talked about pre-call, where we were talking about your Kickstarter campaign and you know, my comments about how professional and how you know, I mean, it's it's really impressive. I mean, it really is. Where did when you think? I mean, and you said you know it, you hobbled it together. I think was your phrase. But hobble, hobble, yeah. That corporate experience, right, that that ability to get into that environment, I'm sure their professionalism, like you said, you got to respect the fact that they have a, an approach and a process. Um, it sounds like you won something there knowledge-wise. I'm sorry? Can, it's, can it sounds you? like you won something knowledge-wise there. Like you, you picked up something and polished it or something i don't know i mean it, it's just i think some people don't have a good experience it sounds like you had a good experience and it made you even better on what you knew that's what that's just my little simple observation from the outside well um so i was only there for a very short time uh when yahoo was going through their uh sale to verizon right mm -hmm. our 
our group got laid off. So that was not fun. I mean, it's like in my mind, I was like, hey, I just got here. <laughs> you know, the party can't end yet, you know. Um, but, um, you know, what I learned if I had to, to do any, you know, my, my advice, right, for people getting into the corporate world, that are, especially with companies that are established, um, you have to be patient. Yeah. You have yeah. to be patient. They have a process, and you have to grow through the process. It's a step-by-step. It's hard to just say, hey, why don't we just jump and, and, and jump and, and skip the step? It's very difficult for people who are established, right, to do that, to accept Impatient. That. Yeah, I'm impatient, and that's very difficult yeah. for me. So and I it, get that. It was hard for me. That was, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I'm like, when this, I, this should have been done yesterday. Hmm. So um, it was difficult. But, well, you know. when you look at your Kickstarter, I mean, I'm looking at all these moving pieces. I'm seeing, I mean, I guess we should just jump right in there. I'm seeing so many moving pieces to this. I mean, A, the product, B, the, you know, the, the campaign is unbelievable. And this just didn't happen. How long, how long have you been working on this product? So I would say, um, so I had the idea back in 2014, but I sat on it, right? Um, I didn't think that people wanted it. I think that I would, you know, get some pushback. And I and I understand you're gonna always get pushback no matter how great your stuff is. Um, so I I didn't do anything about it till uh, February of 2017, and it was because I met my friend, my really good friend Perry Belcher, said you should talk to Kevin Harrington. He's one of the original Shark Tank guys, right? And he you need to talk to Kevin. And it so happened that environment was there. I, I was in War Room. I'm part of War Room. Um, people who don't know about War Room, you got to go check it out. Um, What's it called? War Room? War Room. War Room. W-A-R-R-O-O-M? Yeah, it's a private mastermind for uh, entrepreneurs doing a million dollars or more. Uh, uh, really amazing group of people. I just, I love, love, love those people. And um, so, so they, we were in an event. Kevin Harrington was, you know, uh, is a member and he goes, you got to talk to Kevin. So I have met him in the past because he's been at their T event, their, their event at trafficking conversion in San Diego, one of the largest marketing events, right. In, in, in the country. And, uh, so I met him before, but you know, you know, he's Kevin Harrington, right. You know, he's, you know, celebrity. So I, you know, I just said, hi, be polite kind of thing. Can I, can, can I get a selfie? You know, that kind of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. But now I get a chance to talk to him because my friend goes, Kevin, talk to her. So, and I, sh I drew it up for him. He goes, hmm, show me, show me your prototype. I did a, a video, Facebook video that I've never done before. You know, that I, sh I did a face little video thing to send it to him. He goes, I get this. He goes, and basically my question to him was, if you think it's stupid, tell me now. Because... <laughs> You would save me so much time. He sees all kinds of product, right? Everybody's throwing products at him all day long. And um, and I'm like, if you think it's dumb, just tell me because then you'll save me so much time and grief, not to mention money. And, and he, he said, said, do it. Really? He said, do it. Get your provisional now. Um, and before you even talk to anybody else, uh, get your provisional, start filing and that's, I basically, like I said, I'm a good listener. That's exactly what I did. And again, we're back to relationships. You said somebody yeah. introduced you to him. Somebody got you pushed past your comfort level. Like you said, you wouldn't have approached him. You might have been that. You're not a shrinking violet, though. 
surely. So I'm not sure. I think you would have gotten I mean, there. I, I know people think that. I'm I'm kind of shy at the same time. It's 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 a it's a it's a weird mix. It's a weird I'm, mix. Of I'm time. shy on the inside. I always say that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you uh, you put it. You get it vetted by somebody who really. Because I always say this with those invention companies, you can send them anything. Hey, I've got this pencil, and it's going to be green, Shirley. It's amazing. And you send that in to them, and they're like, yeah, I think you're on to something, Steve. Send us $1,997, and we're going to give you this outline that's going to be phenomenal, right? This is real. He had no vested interest. He didn't try to no. get a piece of it. He didn't. No. Ooh. No. Very, well, really, very cool. You know, he was, well, he didn't know me, right? But because he's good friends with my friend. Right. You know, he he gave he gave him that. Hey, you know, that oh, courtesy. very cool. See, sure. I'll talk to you because you're my friend's friend. Right. So oh. he's cool that way. Kevin Harrington's super nice. Very cool. OK, so he says this is there's there's probably legs to this idea. Get your provisional patent. That's what you're talking about. Provisional. Get your provisional patent filed. Get that stuff started now. And this was 2017. Yeah. Well, here we are in 2018. Yeah. And yeah. you decide, hey, rather than just create this product and launch it, right? Because that's what a lot of people do on Amazon, right? You know, do your yeah. private label, just launch it yourself and yeah. give away yeah. and do some coupons and have somebody in some country create a bunch of fake reviews and all the kind of junk that people do. You say, no, I'm going to go to Kickstarter. What made you think that Kickstarter was the way? So, um, and I, I didn't like roll out of bed and decided that, right? I yeah, really, but it's a big deal. It's like most yeah, people no, don't think so, of it. So what is it? So what it was, was I, I started putting together a plan. If I did it on Amazon, this is what the business plan would look like. If I did it on Kickstarter, this is what the business plan would look like. If I did it in Shopify, let's say, right, uh, just launch your own website store, what would that look like? And really, it all came back to this one thing. It's like, how do you get the word out? And I felt like I'm going to have to climb out of it. I have to do all the same thing that I'm going to have to do. Maybe maybe not as an ex not as, uh, expensive video, maybe, right? But I have to do all the pieces. I have to do Facebook ads. I have to get all the work. I have to all, do all the same elements of marketing. So why not remove some of that risk and not carry the inventory till I knew that people wanted to buy it? Okay, so I'm going to pause here for a second because I think, I think this is a big idea. Uh, it's, it's new to a lot of people. They're afraid of starting a campaign. They've all been done. People are going to steal your product, right? Soon is because we know people that source private label products right off of Kickstarter. We've all heard those stories, right? Yeah, Kickstarter and whatever the other one is. I forget what the name of the other one is. And that's where they source their private label products. They just try to get them in before the other one gets launched, and then that way they can say they were there first and blah, 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 blah. Indiegogo, uh, yes. Yeah, Indiegogo. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is very common. People that teach that stuff, right? And that's, you know, crazy. Yeah. So what pushed you past that fear of doing that? And, and, you know, Stephen, I had the exact same fears, right? So, uh, uh, you know, will people copy the idea? Because, you know, you've seen all the stories, right? I've listened yeah. to all the podcasts. People talk about it. I've read all this stuff online. So, you know, there was a, a point where I just had to, like, get over that fear. And um, But it also it was timing. Like, how do you... How do you do Facebook ads without giving up the, you know, giving out the product? How do we pre-build all that marketing email list without, um, you know, without being, you're putting it out there, but not putting it out there. It was a, it was a dance that we had well, to, uh, to I do. Think, 
part of it, though, it has to be the Kevin Harrington thing, right? His advice to get the provisional patent first, because that's a process. Yeah. That's not a fast process. That's a true, machine, true. right? Yeah. That yeah. piece of advice and his confidence, I could see that would push me forward because he's saying it's a good idea. That's a big deal, right? Because he's done how many products, thousands of products, right? A, a scene on TV is all a lot of his stuff, I think. Right, right. And so he's saying, this is good. This is great. You then follow through, get the provisional patent. That would give me confidence too. I, I could see that. I think the other thing that's really smart here is that, you know, launching, we all knew one way to launch. Guess what? There, everybody knows that way. There's no secrets anymore, right? That stuff's all right. out there, right? And matter of fact, it's a lot of it's data-driven and there's tools that people are using to skirt the system, right? That's why they get rid of all these crazy reviews half the time because if somebody writes this piece of software that says, ooh, I can pretend to be people and I can make these things. This is another way to do it. Um, and I just don't know many people who are using it. I know it was hot for a long time, but it really hasn't gone away. Um, when you look at a lot of the products that are on Facebook specific, a lot of them started in Kickstarter, um, which I think is very, very cool. All right, so you got your product, you're out there. Who develops this campaign? Because and we're gonna have to tell people what the product is. We can say it because everybody's gonna know it. So it's called Posture Keeper. Okay, so go to Kickstarter and search Posture Keeper. And you're going to see, A, you're going to see famous Shirley Tan. Uh, she created <laughs> this. But you're going to see a commercial that she does, and she demonstrates. And you look professional. I mean, it's so well done. I mean, I was so scared and nervous. That was, that was version This is two. a big deal, though. I mean, most people, how much does it cost to hire a company to do this, would you think? Uh, San Francisco rate was about five grand. Five grand to put together this campaign. And you got to keep your, I'm sure you still spent some money, but you then were the able. Video. That's just the video, Stephen. <laughs> oh, whoa. That's just the video? I'm talking about yeah. all this. Say, how much would it cost to do all of it? Because there's tons of graphic. There's tons of videos. There's tons of graphics and stuff. Who would have, how much would this have cost? Uh, I don't know. Don't tell my husband. <laughs> I bet, no, my bet is I'm, I'm getting, if you would have used an agency or something like that, it'd probably be 50 grand. I'm not exaggerating because it's. That's so I've shopped the agency. They're all in the range of thirty-five thousand to fifty thousand, and um, and I just didn't have that kind of capital to do that. So so think about this: you're launching a new product. You can hire this, and they'll do it right, and it's professional. They'll do it right. Yeah, they'll do thirty-five it. to fifty thousand dollars. That that means you're not spending it on inventory, and I'm sure you spent still quite a bit of money for this, but nowhere near. It's unbelievable. You you hit you you set a goal of ten thousand dollars, and is that yeah. is that kind of a, a number to help you see if there is a market there? Is that what that number does? Because if if I could sell ten grand, I know I can sell a million. Um, you know, you don't want to set it too low. You don't want to set it too high. Where'd you come up with the ten thousand? You know, um, I really just uh, looked at all the different best practices. I looked at the people who are in the same category. What were their numbers? I've studied all the successful ones, the ones that didn't. I have a gigantic spreadsheet, right? And and just really looking at it seems like the number ten grand was the overwhelming number that that reached their goal sh quickly. So so this a just balancing of what the factory wants you to order, uh, enough demand to get the inventory going, and then the number that needs to be achieved quickly so mm. so that's that was how we came up with that okay all right and if you hit it quickly because that's the key is you got to hit it quickly well there's still 35 days to go 
and you hit your $10,000. How long did it take you to hit your goal? 18 hours. Now, Under when, 18 you, hours. when you sit back and think, because that's got to be the scariest thing in the world. Nobody's going to like me, Shirley, right? Oh. Oh, I'm going to fail. Nobody's going to buy one. Maybe my mom, no, no. Maybe, maybe somebody we know will buy one. But yeah. 18 hours, proof of concept, check, check. And, and um, Stephen, I have... Um, I almost lost, I lost my train, train of thought. I was going to say in that 18 hours, you know, I was nervous. I was, I was, uh, really just, you know, just really just working my lists, right? What can I do? What can I do? And, um, uh, it, it was amazing. It's really, I'm so, I'm so grateful and, uh, that we hit that number first. I didn't even set out to do that. Right. I was thinking, Oh, you know, this is a good goal. But when I when we got to like seven thousand dollars by I can't even remember now it's just a blur the last few days uh, I think it might have been like five o'clock you know I was going hey wait a minute we could do this <laughs> so if you got if you follow my if you're you're on my Facebook you'll see this is my friend Rob Snell it's like I was going hey five to go and it just blew up it blew up yeah that feeling that yeah. can do that. I now know how to start something spinning and I can keep it spinning has got to be a phenomenal thing because in the past, right? I mean, there's a mystery around launching a product on Amazon. Let's just stay on Amazon specific, right? Yeah. Or on Shopify and trying to drive traffic, right? There's a, you know, you got to take courses, you got to do all these things. Mm -hmm. you, and I did, I, I took courses from you guys. You know, oh I uh, yeah. You were on Andy's class about private label yeah. and yeah. that's all valuable for this. Of course it is. Mm -hmm. But did you take Kickstarter courses? I took two Udemy Kickstarter courses. You did. Yeah. When you think about your success, would you credit them with some of that success, knowing Absolutely. the little switches to make sure you do and little things to think about? Absolutely. I did all of that before I made the decision to do Kickstarter. I wanted to see what was what, what would look like. What would life be doing that? And understanding that before you go in, right, that decision process of like, okay, now I know sort of, right, most of the risks, what I got to do, how do I have to, how do I prepare? I like to prepare. I'm, I'm a, I'm a worry wart. So how I make up for that is by being prepared. Well, your process, I mean, you're back to the process coach, right? That's you. Okay. So we launched the campaign. It hits the funding. What's next? I mean, how, what, cause now it's real. <laughs> hey, you got to make these things you got to get them in and you got to meet these requirements, right? What's the plan as you start to think? Cause it, you know, a, you've already had the endorsement of Kevin Harrington saying, this is probably a product that has some legs. You now have a whole bunch of people that agree and say, I want one. Yep. And Worldwide too. I'm, I'm super surprised, um, by, uh, the worldwide, because uh, we're we offered it worldwide, right? So we're seeing all the orders come in from other countries. It's it's so cool. Singapore, Malaysia, uh, India, super super cool. France, mm -hmm. Italy. Well, what's next? So what's next for Posture Keeper? Well, um, we're we're not going to put this on Amazon Whoa. Um, uh, until until we deliver on all our Kickstarter promises. So we're going to ship everybody. Everybody's going to get their stuff. And then we won't be on Amazon until next year. So we're, it's going to be on Amazon and Shopify, but not until after we wrap up um, and deliver on all of the uh, Kickstarter uh, orders. So. I think that patience that 
that again, that's you're back to learning that your whole way through that yeah. that's what it takes. Um, because a lot of people would be like, I got to get the money as fast as I can. I got to take advantage. I got to, got to, got to. And then you don't do things right. So I think this is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I need, I, I need and want everyone on Kickstarter to be happy. They're going to tell all their friends. That's the whole point of all right. this social proof, right? So if I can't even deliver on that, then, you know, I got no business adding more things to my plate. So, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not in it for the money per se. I'm don't get me wrong. I want to make a profit. Right. But, uh, but there's a, there's a timeline and I, I believe that I need to get this stuff to them. They're going to be happy. They'll tell everybody I can have, I can put my hand to my heart knowing that I can say, look at all the positive comments online. And that's going to help me on my Amazon reviews. Right. You know, absolutely. That's help me on my Shopify launch. So, so if I can make every, if I can keep all those people happy, that's only going to help me um, and not hurt me. Yeah, that is, uh, I think the social proof, the um, ambassadors for your product is one of the yeah. coolest parts of Kickstarter or, or Indiegogo is you have a whole bunch of people singing their praises yeah. because assuming the product's good, right? Assuming that's a risk, right? But but assuming yeah. you can really meet the, uh, the expectations, um, you now have all these people. And am I correct? Do you get access to that information so when i buy one you know my email and my address and all that kind of jazz that you get to market to eventually yes i do right now i don't see anything right, uh, so right. i don't see any of that till we wrap up i believe so this is my first kickstarter so i don't really know okay. i assume i'm going to get that email list right so right. um and eventually you know i can now have a a you know a list that people who who have tried my product you know they say in marketing right when people buy something from you, they're more likely to buy something again from you. Right, um, right. Provided that you you did all the right things in the first the first time around. So when you think about next product, and I know you are thinking of your next product or next opportunity, is this kind of a direction you'll go in again based on the experience you've had? I think so. You I think, think so. This, I really I think that for products that are uh, truly innovative. That is not, uh, I think it's a criteria, right? Okay. If, you, if people do a, a me too product, how about uh, my water bottle? You're not thinking my water bottle, which is just a <laughs> generic water bottle sitting on my desk. There's not much innovation here. That's something that you wouldn't do. Oh, you know, the Canton fair, uh, last October, I've seen so many water bottles. I couldn't even differentiate any of the water bottles anymore. Okay, so Steve's it idea, like, oh man, my, I got to kill my water my, bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, you're my friend. I'm going to talk you out of that oh, one. Oh man. Um, How about gloves? You. Can I do my barbecue gloves? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so innovation is really the key. You got to make you, I mean, when you think about, you know, your product, the posture keeper, I mean, it really is, it's, it's really a new category to me as I sit and think about it. Cause I'm leaning forward in my chair. My back is bugging me. I, uh, we were doing a whole bunch of stuff in the warehouse. I'm getting ready to go to the gym and my back is bugging me and I'm literally leaning forward in my chair and I'm thinking to myself, huh, I'm probably your target candidate. It's a new category. It's, I'm not paying a, attention to it. It's a, it's a new category. There's a lot of people who's now come up with posture correctors, trainers, right? And one thing that makes Posture Keeper different is that it attaches to your chair and not on you, right? So I, I, and I tried all of the other ones for my own medical 
you know, uh, pain and aches and pain. How do I make my posture better? And the one thing I didn't like about the ones that I, I have to wear on my body and my person is that it cuts, you know, it hurts me on my underarm. You know, it's very, um, you know, I need help to like strap on the Velcro because <laughs> I can't reach it. <laughs> so, so I just like, I like Posture Keeper for the fact that it stays on your chair. And, and it just, you slip right out of it, but it looks like a backpack. I mean, it's so cool because, but you slip right out of it so you can function in life. But when you're back there and you're focused, you know, the other thing I think it would do, it would, would help me focus. I could tell that if I'm strapping myself in like that, and it's not really strapping in, but it's, you slide yourself in, it kind of puts you in a mode ready to work. I can see that, you know, as I look at it, I'm like, huh. It's very cool. I mean, and again, you have to, everybody listening to this, please go out and look at this Kickstarter campaign. This is what it takes to be successful. This is not an easy path, Shirley. Um, I'll have her contact information if somebody is interested in this. This is not an easy path. This is an enormous amount of work. Every one of these things, I can see the blood, sweat, and tears in them. I can see how well thought out, how well designed everything is. Phenomenal. Thank you. Phenomenal. Thank you. I mean, I mean it. Thank you. You know, and I love... I love the, uh, you know, the accolades in here, um, uh, the things that other, uh, other people have said. Um, I, ju I just think all that stuff is just so important. And you get to see Shirley doing a commercial, which is pretty cool, too. All right. So this is now a new, uh, a new plan for you. You can do this again. All right. So give advice to people who are sitting in kind of your same place. They took courses. They have product ideas. They're thinking maybe they have an innovative idea. Is this a path that's worth pursuing um, to really get that proof of concept and really potentially build it out? You know, I think um, it's it's worth pursuing if you have the comfort level for it, right? So I have a um, really supportive husband. Um, I call him Mr. Finance Manager. <laughs> ah, and, um, and, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of things to, in everybody's lives that, that they have to navigate. Right. I think if the things are there for me, what made me decide to do this is like, I'm saying to myself, uh, I got a supportive family. Uh, I have some of the finances in place. If I don't do it now, when will I do it? Yeah, so yeah, for me, yeah. it's a decision for me. Right. I don't want to look back in life and go, Hey, you know, I wish I did that Kickstarter thing. You know, it would have been great. You know, I, 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 for me, I didn't want to look back in the rear view mirror wishing that I did that. You so, know, but here's the thing, though. I, I want to say this because I think of you as a safe with all the, you know, turn to the left 50 degrees, turn to the right. You have aligned a lot of things. You said things were good in your life. That just didn't happen. It was all these things, all these learnings, all this investing of time, you know, even taking the Udemy courses for Kickstarter first just to make sure this is really what I want. That stuff, that intentional lining up of stuff allowed this to happen, and that's you. So I, I don't want to just say the world, the universe aligned for you. No, 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 no. no. You steered it the right direction, and I, I applaud that. Well, I, I also kind of believe that God helps those who help themselves, right? So, yeah, no, you know, I agree. you got to put the things in place so that, you know, it, it, it can be, you can be ready to accept and receive. Mm. So, very, very cool. All right. So, if somebody has a follow up question, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? They can um, 
reach me at Shirley at posturekeeper.com. Don't tell everybody. Shirley at <laughs> posturekeeper.com. I will get to it as soon as I can. Okay. I think it's very, very cool. All right. So the goal of the podcast is to help people move past the point of stuck. And I think you've given yeah. us, you've expanded our boundaries. I'm back to that example, getting your boundaries expanded. Um, this is a good example where that happened because you're exposing a whole bunch of us who are not really familiar with this, what the opportunities can be. What would you say to somebody who, who is stuck, who can't push past that? What's your advice? Um, you just have to decide to, it's about the decision. That's it. It's just a simple, I'm ready, yeah. move. Um, really? you may not be completely ready, but you will be if you decide to be. Huh. So you have to, you have to accept that. Well, and I guess I go back to you. You have yeah. all that experience, all that opportunity that you've taken advantage of all that time when are you going to be ready, right? Are you going to, do you want right. to live with regrets? Ooh, surely. Give me the right, tingles right. on that one. They gave me tingles on that one because yeah. that's really it's powerful. Really true. And, and I actually went through that process. It's kind of like everybody goes, hey, it should be a slum dunk for you. It was not a slum dunk. I had my own anxiety, my own fears that I just basically tell myself every day, you got to do it. You just got to get over yourself, you know? And, and you already decided now you got to make, you know, you got to make lemon out of lemonade. Right. You got those so. kids watching you. Remember that. And you got my kids, right? You so got those really, kids watching have, you. Exactly. And they're watching me. And now, you know, they're kind of like my accountability partner, right? Well, they have some stake in it. They're in the, they're in the pictures. They, <laughs> they put themselves out there. You got to deliver. Shirley, yeah. it is awesome. I'm, I'm so impressed. Again, I, when you look at this, realize this was not done by some professional. This was done by the Shirley Tan Agency. Um, very, very <laughs> cool. Hey, um, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you're going back to consulting. Hey, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much. I, I'd be happy to help people. Just, just you know, email me or reach out to me. There's so many different ways to reach out to these things, right? Everybody's resourceful. Take care. Thank you, Stephen. Very cool lady, huh? Uh, again, I apologize for making those little mistakes. My uh, mea culpa. But I appreciate what she does. Um, she pushes through it. And when you meet her, she's dynamic. I mean, she sounds it through the phone, meet her in face-to-face, -face, and she is just as dynamic, just as energetic, just as, just as inquisitive. I like the fact that she's listening. She's paying attention. Um, she knows how to ask questions. Um, very, very strong. A lot of good lessons here. Reach out to her if you're interested in doing this with this innovative product. I think it's, uh, I think it's a very, very cool way um, she is definitely leading the way in our world right now. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at EcommerceMomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.